podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Tis that time of the season when the ghouls and goblins prowl. Witches ride their broomsticks and bonehead wildcats howl. So scrape your claws together and make some chilling noise for your haunted Boom, the boys are back, and what a game that was. It was about as perfect as it gets when it comes to a college football Saturday. That was about as perfect as it gets when it comes comes to a college football game. Perfect fall day, perfect atmosphere. Every folks, it it could not I could I could not have drawn up a better game to talk about, a better day to talk about. For the 600th episode of Bosco's Boys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That's right, 600 episodes. I remember there was a very vocal hater once upon a time when the show was launched. uh, Who made sure to uh, shit talk Grant and I saying the show wouldn't even go 20 episodes. Well, here we are, 600 episodes. Thank you to everyone who's gone on this ride with us. And thank you for coming on the ride for this episode, folks. Uh, you know, this, this episode is going to do numbers because when you have a win like that, uh, folks want to download, they want to take in as much content as possible. Um, so I'm pumped to talk about it. I'm also pumped to talk about that great atmosphere. Now, uh, there was a halftime exodus. Um, the atmosphere was gone in the second half. Granted, look, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go in super hard on anyone, uh, for that one, because again, look. The atmosphere, the stadium looked great in the first half. It was a blowout. Uh, it, it was a night game. I'm, I'm not going to go super hard on anyone. I do want to get rid of exit reentry. I would like, you know, a better looking crowd at the start of the third quarter. But look, when you're blowing out, just absolutely demolishing a team that bad on a perfect fall evening, look, it is what it is. Not surprised. But pregame, it was amazing. I love how 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 much we're doing with the fireworks and the pyro. Absolutely loving it. Harley Day. I, I get goosebumps. I'm not afraid to say it. I used to think Harley Day was corny. I used to be like, ah, I wish we'd get rid of it. No, I, I think Harley Day is cool. Uh, a great flyover by, uh, it sounds like, some Navy training pilots. Uh, again, uh, I don't know if it's planned to be this close every time, but, you know, very close to, you know, post-National Anthem fireworks but uh absolutely awesome you love a, f- a flyover again 52 580 in attendance just almost every seat in like in the house packed every seat in the house sold um perfect fall day fireworks flyover harley's the band it truly was the perfect perfect college football saturday in manhattan and know what goes Best with a college football Saturday in Manhattan. That's right, Manhattan Brewing Company beer. They opened up early. I'm sure they're going to open up early again for the 11 a.m. game next week. But be sure, get in there on Friday, get your four packs, get your crawlers, talk to your local liquor stores, tell them you want Manhattan Brewing Company. If they don't have it, be nice, be polite. 
but just talk to them. Talk to whoever orders the craft beer. Get it in your local liquor store. Uh, and then, as always, get in there. Be on the lookout on their socials. Check out their Twitter. On Monday, they're going to tweet out all the great events they have going on this week. Folks, Manhattan Brewing Company is the place to be. All right, let's get into it. 41-3. to And the reason why I love this win so much is I, I think that this is one of those good versus evil games. And, and let me preface this by saying not every TCU fan, not every TCU player, not every TCU graduate student, blah, blah, blah. Not every single one of them is evil. The actions by some do not define all. But TCU has quickly become one of the easiest teams to hate in the Big 12. Their students have been acting absolutely deplorable over the last few years, throwing projectiles at opposing teams, and not just tortillas, which is annoying, but cans, bottles, stuff they sneak into the stadium. Becoming just an absolute deplorable group, booing West Virginia players as they're being loaded into an ambulance to go to the hospital. Um, Sonny Dykes hiring all sorts of people from the Kendall or from the Art Bryles uh, era, including his son Kendall, who was part of the covering up and part of the excuse making and, and part of uh, you know the the false flag operation to to continue on the culture of sexual assault that was going on at Baylor at that time. Hiring him as your associate head coach and then all he's getting is three points. Look again, like I said. Not every TCU fan is bad. Not every TCU student's bad. Not every person on Sonny Dyke's staff is bad. But there are a lot of them. There are some truly deplorable people inside the TCU football program right now in their coaching staff. And they're easy to hate. And boy, when you put up a score like 41-3 to on them, it feels Good And boy does it feel good that Kendall Bryles and Sonny Dykes trying with all their might to get a touchdown at the end of the game. Calling timeouts and all that type of stuff. Here's the thing. I'm not mad at it. I think it's cheesy. I think it's corny. I think it's really a stupid look for them trying their damnedest to score with their first team offense for that game against K-State's second and third stringers. Uh, but hey, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. But K State's defense stopped them, and that forty-one to three looks so good. Uh, the first half truly was one of the best first halves in K State football history, especially modern history. Uh, absolutely blitzed them right out the right out the gates, um, and then just took the air out of the ball in the in the second half. You got two long touchdown drives. It really was just kind of an exhibition of uh, time management, long drives getting a couple touchdowns, running the ball. I mean, look, it could have been much worse than 41-3. to This could have been like a 62-3 to type of game. Um, but, but like I said, K-State took the ball out of the air, or the air out of the ball, and just got things done in the second half. The game closed, actually, it came back a half point, you know, it opened up around seven and a half, got down to six and a half, was floating around six at the back end of the week, it closed at five and a half, so there was a little bit of late movement towards TCU, K-State absolutely blowing that number out of the water, the uh, game total closed at 60, the under hit there as well. 
K-State currently sitting in a four-way tie with Oklahoma State, Texas, and Iowa State for second in the conference. Uh, We're not going to dive too deep into it, but both Texas and Oklahoma benefited from some controversy. Uh, So, you know what? I don't want to hear shit from them when their fans are complaining, thinking about the Big 12 is trying to fix things against them because they absolutely benefited from absolute calamity. Uh, Getting back to the K-State game, 587 yards. I I believe that is the fifth highest in school history, the fourth time this season going over 500 yards, which is the first time that's happened since 2003 when they did it five times. Again, this offense is clicking on all cylinders. This offense is getting things done. This offense is absolutely killing it. So shout out to Colin Klein and the entire offensive staff. TCU got a measly 300 yards. K-State took 76 plays, TCU 65. Time of possession, K-State 39, TCU 21. One turnover in the game, the Desmond Purnell interception. K-State 6 for 45 on penalties, some of them very soft. Uh, Jordan Wright, please keep doing the thumbs down. I saw Keenan Garber during my rewatch, did it a couple times. That's the best celebration in the world. I don't care if you got flagged for it. I will talk to Joe Klanderman. I will talk to Van Malone. I will talk to Chris Kleiman on your behalf. Keep doing the thumbs down celebration. I absolutely love it. Um, TCU 4 for 33. Again, Sonny Dykes was running around just crying like an absolute petulant child, wanting a pass interference every single time that the ball was thrown. He only got one of them. Uh, look, Sonny Dykes, again, I, I feel pretty good. I, I talked with Shahan Raja back in July, and I was kind of down on Sonny Dykes. I said, hey, your record is what you say it is. Yeah, it was a great season last year. I'm not buying him as this upper-level head coach. Look, I feel very validated with how TCU season's going this year. We'll see. I've been wrong again, and me saying that's probably the kiss of death uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't like Sonny Dykes, he's probably going to win out rest of this season, and then he's going to be, you know, a top twenty team next year uh, because we know how things go when I start giving my opinions on coaches. Uh, but I think he's an absolute clown. I don't think he carries himself well. He just he he, he truly is a bozo. Um, so that's my my thoughts on Sonny Dykes. Uh, third and fourth down, Casey absolutely kills it on third down efficiency. Ten of thirteen on third down. Uh, did go zero for one on our one fourth down attempts. TCU, K State's defense does a great job, absolutely amazing job on first and second down in this game, putting TCU in third and long, third and behind schedule. Forces TCU to go two of thirteen on third down. They do go two of three on fourth down. It is what it is. Um, obviously, you don't like giving up those two. But again, when you're when you're forcing TCU to go two of thirteen on third down, that is absolutely a massive game. We're going to talk about both sides of the ball. I'm going to give my take on all position groups. Um, but but really, just from an overarching standpoint, K State really found their stride in this game. It truly was at all levels. Uh, basically, every position group except for one, I think, gets an A today. Um, just a, an amazing game. I'm just so pumped. And, and again, 
when you have a game like that, you're just counting down the days until next Saturday. I can't wait to get into the Bill Snyder family stand for that 11 a.m. game versus Houston. And look, you can't overlook Houston. They took Texas to the wire and by all intents and purposes should have at least gotten that game to overtime. So, uh, again, in the Big 12, there is no bye week. There is no gimme except for your actual bye week, that is. Um, there are no gimmies anymore, Houston included. Again, as disappointing as they are, as disappointing as some of these teams have been, they've all shown they can jump up and get anyone in the conference. So uh, Saturday, I'm sure, is going to be a battle. I would bet a lot of money that it is not as easy as this one versus the Frogs, um, but I'm pumped for it. And again, look, the Frogs, TCU had this game circled. You could hear it in all of their press availability uh, basically, from after the BYU game, all their uh, you know midweek stuff, uh, all their pregame stuff was all surrounded around revenge. You could tell they wanted it. You could see the way they were acting before the game. They were trying to jaw pregame back at K State. K State players, for you know what, credit to them, credit to K State's players. They kept their composure. Again, TCU tried a couple cheap shots. They got flagged for one of them. They were trying to start something before the game. K-State players were not acknowledging it at all. Uh, TCU's entire hype game video centered around how they thought they got jobbed in the Big 12 championship game. Uh, They wanted this, and we absolutely smoked them, and it wasn't even a competition. Before we talk about the offense, it's not even a competition when you're comparing the quality that Charlie Hustle has against any of their competitors. Right now, I'm recording this on a Sunday. You know I'm rocking my Arrowhead Collection crew neck sweatshirt. I'm already starting to buy different Charlie Hustle pieces for the holiday season. I know the exact t-shirt I'm getting my mom. I know what I'm getting my little brother, my sister-in-law. I'm sending a couple Charlie Hustle sweatshirts across state lines to different folks as we speak. Folks, if you want to look good, if you want to feel comfortable, if you want to look stylish, if you want to support the Wildcats, get to Charlie Hustle, the officially licensed apparel, second to none. They got the NIL gear as well. You know they have those great jackets. Coach Tang was rocking one at Big 12 Media Day. Jareem Dowling is rocking his Script Cats Wildcat uh, basketball hoodie all over the place. Folks, if those two guys who, you know, I'm not trying to throw shade at the football staff. I'm not. I am not. But those basketball guys, they have swaggered. They know fashion. If you want to be looking good like them, head over to charliehustle.com. Get yourself a varsity jacket. Get yourself a hoodie. Get yourself a crew neck. Get yourself a couple t-shirts. Get yourself some joggers. And get your dog a KC Hart dog collar. Don't tell Chauncey, but that's what he's getting for Christmas. So get over there today. Thank me later. All right. The offense, another great offensive performance. Really outside of the puzzling game versus Oklahoma State, which, look, Oklahoma State's probably going to be ranked uh, this upcoming week. Um, The offense has really been humming. Like I said, throw out that Oklahoma State game, which I know you can't. Uh, This would be the number two offense in the Big 12 uh, after this week. I, I don't, and we'll talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, what's going on with the quarterbacks, but we saw some explosive plays. We've seen Colin Klein finding ways to get guys touches um, at a macro level. Again, I, I think the wide receivers are still struggling to get open, and that is a problem. 
but Colin Klein knows that, hey, these these are athletic guys. These are athletes. So getting Jaden Jackson the ball in a jet sweep, getting Keegan Johnson two carries. They tried to get Jace Brown around the edge. That didn't work out as well. Phillip Brooks got a 10-yard run. Again, these guys are athletes. Yes, they're struggling to get open right now, but still finding a way to get them touches, make them feel involved in the offense, especially if they're going to have to be blocking more than they probably would like to. Uh, you love to see it. Uh, and, and honestly, I love the creativity. Again, in a game where you're rushing the ball over 50 times, uh, it can get monotonous. But again, the way they're able to incorporate different powers and blocking schemes, different reads, um, different concepts in the running da- game to keep things fresh, to keep TCU guessing, I think so much credit needs to go to Colin Klein and really Connor Riley as well, uh, getting this offensive game plan together. Absolutely love it. Let's talk about it, though. Let's talk about quarterbacks again. 16 and a half minutes into this uh, and haven't really talked a, a, a ton. Of, I haven't talked about it at all. Um, coming into the game, did I expect to rotate every single series the entire game? No. Did it work? Yes. I think it worked perfectly. Now, can this work Moving forward like this, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to throw out a prediction, at least today, on what I think is going to happen versus Houston. And honestly, my predictions don't matter at all. Um, But I I thought it went well. Now, I I think it is a little telling. If you shout out to K-State Online and Go Powercat, both uh, places do such a great job getting player uh, press availability up on YouTube. So go over there, check it out. Uh, I think watching those videos, I think Will Howard's a little annoyed. He, he didn't say anything wrong, but he kind of said, hey, it is what it is. Oh, it's the coach's decision. Um, and I, I think you can tell He's, he, he's a little annoyed at the situation. Now, he, he gave a ton of praise to Avery. We saw how he interacted with Avery during the Texas Tech game. And, hey, we saw how they interacted in this game. I don't think he has any ill will towards Avery. And I don't think uh, he, he really is mad at the coach. I think he's frustrated. And, and, look, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the meetings. I don't know how to handle hyper-athletic individuals playing a violent game. I'm going to defer to Colin Klein. I'm going to defer to Chris Kleiman. If they think that they can keep this going throughout this year, I'm completely fine with it. Um, I would love to know your guys' thoughts on going series for series back and forth. Uh, I'm completely fine with it. I think it was successful. I think coming out of the game, uh, and watching it live in, in the stadium, I thought to myself, I, you know, I think Will had, had the better game. I still think that. I, I still think after rewatching that Will uh, played better or the offense was better when Will was out there. Um, but I'm not as convinced. You know, th- there were some throws that he missed. And again, Avery missed some stuff as well. He made some freshman mistakes. And, and we, we saw exactly what happens in games where TCU had a game plan to bog down the quarterback run when Avery was out there. And we saw a few times where they overloaded uh, the offensive line when they had good run blitzes and when they were selling out to stop the QB run. We saw uh, that, hey, it it isn't all sunshines and rainbows. It's not untouched touchdowns every time you run the ball like it seemingly was versus Texas Tech. Um, 
but I think Avery handled it well, and we saw him throw downfield, and he has a great connection with Jace Brown, which, funny enough, it was Will Howard who threw the touchdown to Jace Brown, but we, we saw more from Avery, but at the end of the day, seeing how defense, how at least the TCU defense played when Avery was out there versus when Will Howard was out there, look, I, I, I'm not going to be as bombastic as I was last week saying, hey, no, it is time for the Avery era. I think the Avery era is here, but I don't think you are going to see Will Howard benched, certainly not in the Houston game. Um, I think you are going to see a lot of both of them. I personally probably, again, how's this for flip-flops? Again, I, I, I'm... I'm an emotional fan. I'm going to go with the, where the wind flows. I, I liked both of them. Uh, you know, last week at this time, I'm saying, all right, sorry, thank you, Will, for everything, but let's go all in on Avery Johnson. Uh, let's start him. I, did, I, I wasn't predicting that would be the case, but that's what I wanted. Well, now what I want is I, I, I want to see, you know, Will Howard run the offense, and I want there to be specific game situations where, like, okay, Here's the situation. We're getting Avery in there. And I want Avery to get a series or two in both halves regardless of the situation. That's what I want. I think, honestly, honestly, if you made me predict something right now at 12-13 on October 22nd for this Houston game, I would predict it's going to be series for series again. Um, look, they were successful. They both uh, had, had great points per drive stats. Uh, both of them had high QBRs. I think we're going to see that again versus Houston. Now, is that going to be the formula to beat Texas? I have no idea. I wouldn't think so. I would think, again, the dynamic athlete gives you the better chance for that. But I don't know anything. Everyone in the world was saying, hey, it's time to go all in on Avery. No one was predicting it. I think we all knew it was going to be shared time. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be series for series. One uh, one for you, one for you, one for you. know, All the way, the entire game. Will first, then Avery. Will first, then Avery. The entire game. No one probably predicted that. Uh, but just about everyone said, all right, hey, it's time to move on to Will Howard. Um, so look, I don't I don't know I don't know what's gonna happen. And I've said that four four or five times. I'm just happy that the team was successful. When you look at the entire stat lines, Will Howard, 10 uh, for 16 on 154 yards, three touchdowns, average of 9.6 yards per attempt. Again, 61 of those came on the DJ Giddens touchdown. But again, hey, he made the right throw, got DJ in the right spot. Uh, He also had four carries for 62 yards uh, in the longest run of the game for 30 yards. Will is a capable runner. Um, as he said in his post game, he says, "Hey, you know, I can run the ball too." And then he goes, "Yeah, and Avery can throw." So again, I, I thought Will had a good game. Avery Johnson, five of ten uh, passing for ninety yards, one touchdown. Was a little swing pass to Treshawn Ward for Avery's first ever passing touchdown. Uh, Sixteen carries for seventy three yards, long of four or uh, average of four point six. Had a long of twenty three. He did have a really bad sack uh, that I think was like 15 yards that really screwed up his averages. I, th- I think he had a positive like 96 yards rushing and then whatever it would have been, 23 yards in sack and uh, rush yardage, negative yards on rush. Um, so that screws up his stats a little bit. And again, he's still a freshman. 
He's still a freshman, uh, but you see how explosive he is. There were two or three runs that would have been long touchdowns if TCU didn't trip him up, if they didn't you know, bring him down on first contact. Because like I said, there's two or three of those. that If, if, if he gets beyond that linebacker, that's six. Um, just absolutely electric. When you look at their combined stats, 15 of 26 for 244 yards uh, passing with four touchdowns, 9.4 yards an attempt, and 135 yards rushing. You combine that together, you're like, man, that is an elite day from your quarterbacks. Sign me up for that the like rest of the season. <laughs> Sign me up for that rest of the season, uh, and, and we'll see what happens. Again, I trust the coaches. I think I think they're going to figure it out, but I, I don't think it's an easy task. I, I think I think again in, in the post game availability. Go to uh, Go Powercats YouTube. Go to K State Online's YouTube page. Uh, you see the frustration uh, from Will and how he answers some of those questions. If they can manage, I, I have faith that they can manage. It. And at the end of the day, these are competitive guys, and they both want to win. So if they can strike the balance, play play both of them. Uh, if there's a time where one guy's hot and the other one's not, go with the hot hand. I, I don't want to pigeonhole this offense, and I believe in Colin Klein. I believe in Chris Kleiman. Uh, so, yeah, at the end of the day, again, I don't think I've ever seen a two-quarterback system work as well as it did versus TCU uh, on Saturday. Moving to the offensive line, absolutely massive game. Again, K-State averaged 6.6 yards per carry. They had 343 yards on the ground. TCU had one sack, four tackles for a loss, so they had a little success creating some havoc plays. But at the end of the day, when you put up that many yards on that high of an average, you can't do anything except for give these guys an A+. The the entire offensive line just played amazing. Again, we really tried to watch the offensive line, my dad and I, at this game. At least from Section 7, it really looked like they had a just an, an elite game. And when I rewatched, I was like, yeah, you know, th- this was a really good outing. There were a couple plays where, yes, they were overloaded. TCU had some good run blitzes. Again, TCU's defense coming into this was pretty salty. They were, they were upper middle class of the Big 12. They were really good against the quarterback run game. And K-State's offensive line opened things up for the quarterbacks and for the running backs. Um, I think you have seven guys who are playing at – a decent amount of snaps, all playing well. Uh, you know, whether it's Poitier and Panzer at, uh, you know, right guard, whether it's Duffy and Carver Willis at right tackle, uh, I think all seven guys played really well. You know, Hayden Gillum had a couple uh, bad snaps, uh, put Will and Avery both kind of in bad positions a couple times. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think he's, I, I think it's fair to say he's, if not elite, a very great polling center when he's able to get out get moving and get a body on a guy that's when Hayden Gillum's at his best Cooper Beebe had a play where he just put his guy into the ground and then picked up a delayed blitz and put him into the ground too Cooper Beebe and I might be in the moment I might be you know getting emotional I might be uh not Thinking clearly because, hey, we're in the moment. You know, Cooper Beebe's one of those, enjoy every game you get to watch Cooper Beebe play from here on out because this is the end. Um, I, I think that if he isn't, he has an argument, and you could argue in favor of him being the greatest offensive lineman in K-State history. And we're witnessing it every single week. This guy is just 
so freaking good. Um, and I absolutely love seeing it. Again, uh, it, it, it's just amazing what he's able to do as an offensive lineman, whether it's pulling, whether it's picking up uh, blitzers, whether it's you know just double teaming and getting up to the second level. Cooper Beebe is, is as good as it gets. Now, I want to give a shout-out to KT Lev as well. Again, like I said, my dad and I up in Section 7 really trying to focus in on the offensive line throughout the game. And a lot of times, you know, obviously you're like, oh man, Cooper Beebe played that one perfectly. Oh, he made a massive block. Well, KT Lev is the other name that we we were saying quite a bit of uh, having a good game there. So again, we're not pro football focused. We're not, uh, you know, talent evaluators. But from Section 7, our amateur eyes, I really thought KT Lev had a big game as well. Moving into the tight ends, fullbacks, Ben Sennett's injury, a little worrisome. Uh, rolled up on his ankle in the first quarter, tried to get going in the second quarter, um, and he came off limping after a couple plays, didn't see him rest of the game. I don't recall hearing a question or anything about uh, his status post-game. Hoping to hear some stuff on Tuesday, and we'll talk about it for the Wednesday preview show. Um you want him. He he is your best pass catcher. He is your most dynamic uh, player in the passing game. Uh, you want to get him back. Uh, so so we'll wait and see. Hopefully he's ready to go by Houston. If it's just a ankle, I, I was encouraged that he tried to give it a go. At the end of the day, lots of rehab over this week. You, you hope he can go on Saturday. Uh, but you know what? Will Swanson, Garrett Oakley both played all right. You know, no, no major complaints. Oakley had a nice catch, I believe, for 17 yards. I uh, know for 11 yards. Um, had a touchdown. It was called off. Christian Moore uh, hold. Um, so he had a receiving touchdown taken off the board. Will Swanson did get a uh, touchdown. Two catches for 22 yards. Um, I, I will say Will did underthrow that touchdown. Um, I'm really glad Swanson was able to catch it. I'm glad they reviewed it. I'm glad he got that uh touchdown uh, reception credited to him and again I think both of these guys are serviceable I think Will Swanson's fine I think Garrett Oakley is going to be a beast in the future but neither one of those guys is a dynamic uh, you know pass catching option the way Ben Sennett is so you really want Ben Sennett to get back for Houston if not Houston get him as close to 100% as you can for Texas down in Austin because that's shaping up to be an absolute massive game Moving into the running backs, guys, we, we have two great running backs. What a fun game for both of them. Um, we're going to start with Ward. Uh, he led the team in rushing yards and attempts, 18, or eight, uh, 89 yards on 17 carries, average of 5.2, long of 14, three receptions for 17 yards, including a touchdown, total of 106 yards from scrimmage. Again, you know, Treshawn Ward, uh, he, he kind of, it's kind of funny um, they took the opposite role of what so many folks in the offseason said they would. So, you know, Treshawn was a little bit more workmanlike, not a massive yards per touch uh, in the game. I mean, look, he was like, what, 5.6 yards per touch if you add rushing and uh, receiving together. Uh, his longest play was uh, 17 yards, or no, 14 yards. He did have a receiving touchdown from three yards out from Avery. Uh, but, but every time he touched the ball, I mean, he was pushing forward. He, he wasn't going to stop moving his legs until he got everything he could. Um, like I said, very workmanlike performance and, you know, he, he does post game, 
uh, with the media, and you can see the smile on his face. You can see him being kind of like that vocal leader, which we all knew he could. And again, I, I, I think they're using both of these guys perfectly in the sense of both of these guys are so good. DJ Giddens, uh, again, just smoked the entire TCU defense for a 61-yard touchdown reception. Uh, he had, what was it, four catches for uh, 75 yards. Um, or no, two catches. It was only two catches for 75 yards. Was it three? I don't know, two or three catches. But again, he had 75 yards receiving, nine carries for 85 yards. That's 9.4 yards a carry, long of 23. I mean, D- DJ's a freaking star. He got hit by two guys behind the line of scrimmage and still somehow turned it into a 17-yard play. Uh, 160 yards from scrimmage. The the guy's an absolute beast, and, and I feel I feel very validated. I said this all off season. Every podcast I went on, you guys probably got tired of me saying it on this show, talking about how this could be one of the best duos we've had at K State. Where hey, they're equals out there again. You know what DJ was able to do last year behind Deuce Vaughn. I mean, look, that was a pretty good duo. Uh, so if if you want to go like, hey Scott, you know. They're not going to equal what what DJ and Deuce did last year. Okay, fine. But if you want to talk about comparable running backs, running backs that are truly splitting the responsibilities, this duo was absolutely amazing. I, I was saying it all offseason. Both of these guys are going to go over 1,000 yards from scrimmage. I feel very good about that. I mean, DJ's probably cl- closing in on it right now, but both of them over 100 yards from scrimmage. And, and, and I kept saying, hey, look, they're both going to be able to do it in the passing game. They're both going to be able to be explosive in the running game. And there was so much talk. Oh, you know, DJ's not a burn. Oh, he doesn't have the burst. Oh, he doesn't have the sp- speed. Freaking bozos. I mean, he ran, he just jetted past TCU. And they there were two defenders who had the angle on him. He's just like, whoop, nope, just going to run right past you. Uh, th- that that was the play of the game. I absolutely was going wild. I love it when DJ does that. And I'm loving it when Trayshawn Ward has a big game. And I love it when they both are going over 100 yards per scrimmage. Because that's what I was saying all offseason. Every, every show I went on, this one way too many. Absolutely love the game from the running backs. Now, a lot of that has to do with the offensive line. Those two go hand in hand. Offensive line has a big game. Oh, look, both guys have a big game. And this is what Colin Klein, this is what Chris Kleiman wants to see in the offense. Now, of course, you want more balance. You, you want to be able to depend, depend on your wide receivers a little more, which we're going to go to here in a second. Um, but if you're able to assert your will, nothing can, nothing in all of sports, outside of maybe like a dude who's like seven of ten shooting three pointers in basketball. But when when you just know there is nothing we can do to stop this team from just running it down our throats, that's to be so demoralizing. Like I said, it couldn't happen to a better group of uh, or uh, scholar athletes. It couldn't, it couldn't happen to a better football program. I hope TCU's demoralized from this for a long time. Let's go to the wide receivers. Coming out game for Jace Brown. Four catches for 88 yards. One touchdown, long 43. Also, just elite blocking on the boundary. He put dudes into the ground on multiple occasions. Absolutely love it. Phillip Brooks, three catches for 31 yards. 13-yard uh, rush, uh, or 13-yard uh, long. Uh, one rush for 10 yards. Jane Jackson, one carry for 14 yards. Keegan Johnson, two rushes for six. Jace Brown had one carry for one yard. 
Jace Brown had a big game. Jace Brown, uh, if he's not going to be on the starting line uh, for the Houston game when they release the pregame depth chart, he will be for Texas. Jace Brown, as a true freshman, probably is your number one wide receiver. Um, And he's good. I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but uh, he's not a finished product. And I think that's exciting because you know he's only going to get better over the next two to three seasons. But but the biggest issue on this team continues to be the lack of ability to get open for the wide receivers. Now, Jace Brown, again, he, he got open for his touchdown, and he was able to make big-time catches on great throws from Will Howard and Avery Johnson. Uh, but it's not like he was running wide open. It's not like he absolutely cooked his guys um, again, he, he, he ran good routes. He got open enough. The quarterbacks put it there and he made plays. Um, but this unit as a whole, look, I, I, Jace Brown's big time performance is the only reason it's not getting a failing grade. If, if I was grading this out, everyone else on the team had an A plus performance. The wide receivers just didn't, uh, for both Will and Avery, uh, I, I specifically remember Avery, you know, on that final drive of the first half as they're trying to, you know, score a touchdown instead of uh, settling for a field goal. I remember there's a play where he's just literally kind of just standing alone, elite job by the offensive line, a couple quarterback spies, um, so he can't take off and run. He just has to throw the ball away because no one could get open to save their lives. Um, it's a problem. Uh, look, they've had, what, at K-State we've had, Five different wide receiver coaches in the last six years. Um, it isn't an offense, at least until Colin Klein came in, that was very attractive to wide receivers at all. So I understand it. I understand why we're in the situation we are. But it needs to be fixed. And the guys in the room right now, Keegan Johnson, Phillip Brooks, Jaden Jackson, Jace Brown, RJ Garcia, who didn't get a touch, uh, who we all had such high hopes for. These guys really need to have like a come to Jesus meeting and, and figure out, okay, c- can we step it up? Can we come through for our team? Because look, if they could get open in a semi-regular clip, if they could get some more separation, if they could become more dependable, folks, we're, we're having these offensive outbursts with next to nothing from our wide receivers. Again, Jace Brown had a big game. 88 yards, that's big. And again, Phillip Brooks, 43 yards from scrimmage, or 41 yards from scrimmage. You know, that's nothing. That's not some poverty effort from Phillip Brooks. He's been a dependable slot receiver his entire time. This is who Phillip Brooks is, and that's not a bad thing. You need guys like Phillip Brooks. But you need, you know, Jace Brown to be doing this all season. You need a second guy who's able to have that type of an impact as well at a minimum. Uh, and, and, it, and it sucks because you look look around the league, there's, there's multiple guys like that on other teams. Uh, so they need to figure it out. And, and whether it's, all right, these wide receivers, they need to step up. They're capable of stepping up, making a play. Whether it's uh, you know, recruiting, whether it's development, my, my guess is, hey, it's a little bit of everything. It's been a perfect storm of unfortunate situations to land here, but we're in this situation. Um, I hope they have, I, I hope we see multiple guys with big games versus Houston, and I hope it sets us up 
to really have a shock the world Saturday here in a couple weeks at Texas, especially at the wide receivers, because uh, they haven't been great. Jace Brown could be the real deal, especially that connection he has with Avery, both true freshmen. That could be, you know, the waters to lock it connection. Um, you know, it could be the uh, Colin Klein to Chris Harper co- connection. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm hopeful for it. I, I really am. I, I think Jace Brown's going to be a dude. Again, he's like 18, 19. You know, this was his first time getting like a true extended run out there. Um, the kid could be special. Um, you just need a few more guys to run in the stable with him. Let's move into the defensive side of the ball. Uh, but before we do, again, shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Look, they have delicious beer. They have an awesome space. It's the perfect spot to be before the game, like this week, or after the game. Look, Houston, it's 11 a.m. game. Wraps up, celebrates, slaps some hands with some folks inside Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I'm telling you. Get a couple pints before you leave town. Or just stay in Manhattan the entire weekend, belly up, and watch the rest of college football Saturday right there on Points Avenue, Manhattan Brewing Company. Again, amazing beer. Every time I'm in Manhattan, I try my best to get in there. And every time I get in there, I'm taking at least a couple four-packs and a couple crawlers with me to go. Uh, because look, I'm, I'm trying to leave some of uh, you know the the beer in Man in the Kansas City metro for the rest of you guys. Uh, because look, it gets in and it sells out. So again, develop a nice relationship with whoever your craft beer buyer at your local liquor store is. Schmooze them, tell them to keep a couple four packs of Towny Wheat Championship Run Tang Party in the back for you, uh, and be nice. You know, if you ask nicely, they typically will. They'll talk to their distributors and they'll make it happen. All right, pure domination. Uh, I get the inclination that some folks, whether inside the K-State fan base or outside the K-State fan base, want to kind of point to playing backup quarterbacks. But look, Hoover threw for four touchdowns and over 400 yards last week. Amani Bailey has over 850 yards, and he's averaging 5.8 yards a carry. TCU has gone over 40 points in three games this season. Over 30 and two more. This was pure domination and a masterclass by the defense. So much credit needs to go to all the players, Joe Klanderman, Chris Kleiman, the entire defensive staff, just truly putting TCU in a box. And clown-ass Kendall Bryles could not get out of it if his life depended on it. And it just warms, just warms the cackles of my cold heart knowing that Kendall Bryles has to go back to Fort Worth with a big, fat, red clown nose on, knowing that he is not only a deplorable, but bad at his job. And the K-State defense brought the attitude, they brought the swagger, and 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 like I said, it, it was just an amazing game. The defensive line consistently got pressure and won the line of scrimmage. Only one sack from this unit, it came from Javon Banks, uh, but it constantly kept the offensive line off the second level, allowing the linebackers to clean up. Now, yes, as kind of has become uh, tradition, we gave up one big run where the majority of their rushing yards came from. But the linebackers just cleaned everything up. The defensive line, again, those three guys 
are overtaking five, six when they bring in a tight end and forcing TCU to leave their running backs in there to chip uh, any blitzers or guys coming off the edge. Just amazing. Uh, Khalid Duke only credited with one tackle, but he was in Hoover's face the entire game. Really had him hearing footsteps, seeing ghosts. Uh, Khalid Duke, again, I, I wanted to see the fishing celebration. I wanted to see him get another sack. But, man, he he was cooking his guy, and, and, and he had a great game getting off the edge. Cody, Cody Stuffelbean is continuing to prove himself as well as being a good Big 12 player. He grabbed two tackles. He had a couple massive, I think both of them were massive one-on-one tackles with Bates, preventing him from getting up to the second level. Because, look, coming into this game, he is one of the best, or Bailey, not Bates, excuse me. Bailey is one of the best running backs after contact in the entire nation. And Stufflebean was able to take him down by himself a couple times. Uh, Mott, he came close to a couple sacks, only played, uh, or, or not only played. He played, and, and I wasn't for sure if he was going to. He was one of those guys who was going to be a game-time decision. Was happy to see that. Uh, Matlack got a tackle. Uh, Jake uh, Friesen got a tackle as well. Again, uh, and that was in cleanup time. But again, shout out to the second team defense and the third team defense keeping TCU out of the end zone. So shout out to them as well. Look, I I think that K-State's defensive line, because Uso, he was getting back there. Damian Alalio, he was out there. Uh, Javon Banks had a good game as well getting that uh, sack. I, I think K-State's defensive line, they're fresh, they're able to rotate, and I have a lot of comfortable, uh, all sorts of comfortability with the starters and the second line. Looking forward, I would imagine Khalid Duke is going to go after Chase's professional dreams after this season. I don't know what Uso's going to do. I don't know what uh, Brendan Mott's going to do because I think he only has his COVID year left. I still think that this could be a very salty and a dangerous defensive front next year as well. I think I think the future remains and continues to be bright for K-State football in their defensive line. Uh, the linebackers, uh, let's give it up for Jake Clifton, man. He, he played almost the entire game in the middle. We were hoping to see Austin Romaine. He suited up. He was part of warm-ups. Uh, but he was not on the field. I don't think he played at all. Uh, but like I said, he was suited up, which is a good sign. Hopefully he's going to be good to go versus Houston. But Clifton, so good. And, and look, I, I, I get it. I understand that Chris Kleiman wants him to be the main backup on the outside. And Austin Romaine has played well. But Jake Clifton is just a monster out there. And, and I, I feel like he needs to be getting starter snaps. He had three tackles, but he's flying around the entire game. Desmond Purnell, how about Desmond? Five tackles, one interception. Shared a sack with Austin Moore, the machine. He had uh, you know, that half sack, four tackles as well. But how about Desmond Purnell? Just swagging all over the field after the interception. Parades down the field with the entire defense for 50 yards. Doesn't get flagged, which I was shocked. Absolutely shocked they didn't get flagged. But him, Colby McAllister, and Khalid Duke throwing up the mob sign. One of the greatest photos in K-State football history. Get on Twitter if you haven't seen it. Or reach out to me. I'll send you the photo. The hardest. Just just such a great photo. Fires me up every time I look at it. It needs to be plastered all over uh, you know, K 
K-State history books for decades to come. Absolutely massive, and I love that Desmond was leading that all the way down the field. Toby O getting in some pass rush reps uh, and some reps at linebacker. Had a good tackle. Uh, He's coming in on his own. He had a great spin move back to the quarterback and almost got a sack himself and put down the quarterback uh, on a pressure uh, in one of his pass rush uh, sets. Again, he he's an athlete. He is a guy. I hope they continue to find situations to get him out on the field. He's just too good of an athlete not to get it going. Uh, secondary, amazing game from the secondary. Jacob Parrish, massive game. He did have six tackles, uh, one pass breakup. Played. I, I thought he played a great game. He, he's really turning into the type of guy we thought he could be. Now, he plays off ball a little bit, which kind of leads himself to uh, giving up some passes underneath and hitting a tackle. And he should have had a sack, by the way. One of his tackles should have been a sack. Quarterback gets right back to the original line of scrimmage, so he's robbed of the sack. But he had a great game. I can't say enough good things about him. Parrish truly is turning into, uh, you know, probably not all Big 12 this year, but he's going to be all Big 12 uh, probably his junior and senior seasons uh, in the conference. He is that good. And, and let's give it up for Keenan Garber as well. Two pass breakups, two tackles as well. Will Lee got back. He had four tackles. He had a fine game himself. But, I mean, look, the, the level of athlete that Keenan Garber is, and now that things are starting to click, being able to get his eyes back around to make those pass breakups – Look, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Keenan Garber be the starting corner rest of the way and Will Lee's the guy who comes in to spell Keenan and to spell uh, Jacob Parrish. Uh, we'll see what the rotation looks like uh, versus Houston uh, and versus Texas and then those final three games as well. Uh, but you got to give it up to Keenan Garber. Uh, uh, probably his best game as a Wildcat. Probably, no, not probably. This was Keenan Garber's best game as a Wildcat. And I love to see it. Again, you know, that, that was a big recruiting win early uh, in, in the months of, uh, you know, Chris Kleiman's tenure when KU was trying to flip him, trying to get him, keeping him. And again, his career has not been what we probably hoped. Maybe expected to this point, but if he has a great run in rest of the season uh, at defensive back, um, he could really end his K State career with an exclamation point. And hell, he could come back next year. He could be a starting corner next year. Uh, I don't know what his ambitions are after football, but I'm I'll bring him back again. He he's really coming into his own the last couple weeks at corner. Love to see it. Uh, VJ Payne, four tackles. Kobe Savage, two tackles. Marquise Siegel, three tackles. Ever since the Missouri game and after uh, kind of switching VJ Payne and Kobe Savage around, I think that the safeties really have played very well. Uh, Chris Kleiman was saying that Marquise Siegel has been playing as one of the best safeties in the Big 12. He said that a couple weeks ago. I thought he had a good game. Kobe Savage flying around. VJ Payne flying around. Again, now that they have found their feet, now that they feel confident, and again, it's tough because VJ Payne and Kobe Savage, they before this year, they'd never been on the field at the same time together. Marquis Siegel never playing at this level of college football before. Um, they're coming to their own, and, and they're coming to their own at, at the right time. Now, again, it was rough. The, the safeties had just a very tough game versus Missouri. And that game's going to, like I said, going to haunt me for way too long. That game's going to bug me for way too long. Seeing Missouri getting into the top 20 
uh, instead of us being in the top, it, it bothers me way more than it should. Um, but I'm glad they've come into their own. I knew they would. Again, Joe Klanderman is too good of a coach to not have figured this out. Yes, we all wish it would have gotten figured out earlier, but I think those three guys have really found their stride. Uh, the secondary as a whole, again, has turned into a plus. Again, I understand why there's there was anxiety early in the year during the non-con. Uh, and, and even, you know, versus UCF giving up some of those trick plays. Again, uh, TCU tried a couple trick plays. Uh, we, we didn't bite. We covered them well. Um, so I, I, I get it. I'm not trying to minimize the deficiencies and the frustrations from early in the season. 100% valid. And if you're still in the boat of like, I need to continue to see it, uh, that's fine too. I'm not going to tell you to buy in. I'm not telling you to join or die when it comes to the secondary bandwagon. Uh, but I, I think the secondary as a whole has turned into a, a net positive, a, a very good positive for this squad. And I love to see it. Uh, special teams, back-to-back where uh, uh, great special teams. Uh, Chris Tennant, 2-2 two, two for field goals, 5-5 five for five on extra points. Had a nice little tackle on kickoff coverage. I think that was the only uh, kickoff they even tried to return. Um, he got touchbacks on uh, you know going towards the south end zone. He had nice sky kicks out, uh, outside of that first one where he got that tackle going to the north, forcing fair catches. Uh, good game. Very good game from Chris Tennant. Bloomer only got one punt, but it, it was downed inside the 10, 34-yard punt, and, and it was really good. So shout out to him as well. Let's grade the keys to V and then get into the game balls. But before we do, check out my friends over at the 1012 Network. Uh, I was on the 1012 podcast, their Monday episode last week, where I was giving mid-season grades to all the Big 12 teams. Uh, K-State fans didn't like what I graded K-State. But again, I had very lofty expectations for the team. And look, after that TCU game, and again, a TCU team that coming into the game, all the advanced stat metrics kind of had them as a borderline top 25, a top 30, top 40 at worst team um, coming into this game. And and, and K-State absolutely demolished them. So those lofty expectations we all had were very valid. and, And hopefully... Take care of business versus Houston sets up a massive game in Austin here in two weeks. Um, so check, check out 1012 Network, all the great pods. Uh, just listen around. Uh, try, try to hear what folks are saying about K-State. Listen to 1012 Podcast, the flagship show, on Mondays and Thursdays. All right, the number one key to V was getting ahead of Josh Hoover. That's an A. Uh, they hit him early. They were getting in his face again only Two sacks, should have been three sacks, but they were hitting him clean. They weren't giving him uh, a a ton of time to pass. He was seeing ghosts. He was hearing footsteps. I give it a 100% an A, getting in the head of Hoover. Again, that first half, the crowd really making it tough on him as well. Number two, do not let shuffling QBs kill any rhythm on offense. A+. Again, I wouldn't have thought this would have been an A+, if you would have told me they were going to go series back and forth, back and forth. Literally the entire game. Um, But look, shuffling the quarterbacks didn't kill the rhythm. They both had great rhythm, so I'm giving that an A as well. 
stay hot on special teams. I'm going A minus only for the only reason there's an, a, a minus there was because I mean there wasn't a ton for them to do. Uh, Tenet had a great game. I, I mean if you if you look at his quality of kickoffs, two for two on field goals, including a forty yarder. Maybe I'm being a harsh grader. He got that tackle. Shout out to Chris Tenet. Um, a minus definitely stayed hot. Um, and then the final one. Win the battle of running back stables, that's an A+. Again, when you have both your guys going over 100 yards, keeping their running backs uh, from scrimmage under, I don't even, I mean, our guys from scrimmage were over 300. Their guys were, what, 120 maybe? I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to pull the box score back up. But our running backs definitely were the two that dominated uh, the battle of running back stable. So that's an A-plus as well. Uh, let's get into the game balls. One final shout-out to our friends Charlie Hustle. Award yourself with some new officially licensed K-State swag, whether it be a T-shirt, the most comfortable fleece in the world, whether it's a crew neck, hoodie, or some joggers. Treat yourself and also start browsing around. Everyone needs some Charlie Hustle this holiday season, so get your loved ones some Charlie Hustle as well. All right, Bonehead Game Ball number one going to the offensive line. Saw multiple shout-outs for the offensive line for this one. And look, when you're putting up that many rushing yards, when you're running the ball that many times and keeping that high an average, I think, hey, look, all seven, seven game, eight, eight, eight game balls, seven to the main guys and one to Connor Riley. The offensive line 100% deserved it. My game ball, and look, I, I, I could cop out and say the running backs as a whole, and, and Trayshawn Ward definitely deserves you know an honorable mention for this one. Uh, but DJ Giddens, he's getting my game ball going. Just uh, the the play play of the game, just turning on the Jets, just flying past everyone. DJ the Blue Jay Giddens, two touchdowns. Over 180 yards from scrimmage. The guy is a beast. Honorable mention, of course, to Trayshawn Ward. He had a great game as well. But my first game ball going to DJ Giddens. Game ball number two going to Desmond Purnell, the Topeka Cat. Uh, he had a massive game. He had the interception. That one's the Boneheads giving it to Desmond Purnell. Uh, he had half a sack flying all over the place. Got the interception. Again, maybe Desmond Purnell's best game. Uh, so pumped for him, and it's just the beginning for this guy. Chris Kleiman says he's playing at an all Big 12 level. Now, Chris Kleiman loves to give out all Big 12 honors. We'll see if Desmond gets, uh, hopefully, maybe an honorable mention this year, but his time getting on first and second team is going to come. My game ball number two uh, could have gone to Keenan Garber, but I'm going to Jacob Parrish. I thought Jacob Parrish had a massive game. I think he's coming into his own as being that alpha corner for this K-State program. And I think it's great that K-State, uh, you know, corners are, are in this uh, in this world because, look, I think Will Lee can be the real deal. Will, Will Lee will be playing in the NFL. Keenan Garber is one of the best athletes on the team. He's finally learning to play cornerback. And I think Jacob Parrish is the most complete player uh, at the cornerback room, and I thought he had a big game. So I'm going with Jacob Parrish for my game ball number two. The bonehead swagger sticker going to Jace Brown. Again, the kid had a massive game. It was his coming out day. Jace Brown 100% deserves an award. I love it. And again, four catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. He is what we need. We need Jace Brown for the final 
Uh, what, what do we got? Five regular season games, at least one postseason game, hopefully two postseason games. We need him to become wide receiver number one. We need him to have those big games. We need him to show up big to help unlock that final step of this K-State offense. So the swagger, the bonehead swagger, swagger sticker going to Jace Brown. We're doubling up with Desmond Purnell with my swagger sticker. He got the boneheads uh, game ball. He's getting my swagger sticker, leading a parade of defenders down the field, celebrating, throwing up the mob sign, hyping up the crowd after that interception. That is exactly the type of swagger that I love to see. Absolutely love it. Honorable mention going to Jordan Wright. He got flagged for it for doing the thumbs down celebration. Like I said earlier, I will talk to Chris Kleiman. I'll talk to Joe Klanderman. I'll talk to Van Malone. I'll talk to anyone that you need me to, to tell them, hey, don't get on him. Let let him do the thumbs down. Absolutely love it. Uh, a new award of the of the day, Kevin McFarland, my dad's boomer award. He's going to Khalid Duke. Um, again, Khalid Duke, again, not popping on the stat line, but he was in the backfield. He was getting quarterback hits. He was having a good game, and he was showing some swagger himself. So uh, my dad's Boomer Award is going to Khalid Duke. And then Chauncey Bosco's He's Got That Dog in Him Award going to Chris Tennant. Again, perfect night kicking, good on kickoffs. And then he got his nose a little dirty, getting a tackle on kickoff coverage as well. So the bone or the uh, game ball is going to the entire offensive line. DJ Giddens, Desmond Purnell, and Jacob Parrish. The Swagger Stickers going to Jace Brown, Desmond Purnell. Kevin McFarland's Boomer Award going to Khalid Duke. Chauncey's He's Got That Dog in Him Award going to Chris Tennant. Honorable mentions going out to Will Lee, Trayshawn Ward, Keenan Garber, both quarterbacks, and Jordan Wright. That's all we have, folks. We'll be back tomorrow with the Q&A episode. If you're listening to this, if you tweet in your question using hashtag AskBosco, like immediately, there's a chance you might make it for the episode. Um, All five. We got five episodes this week. We will be going live. We will be going live on Wednesday. Uh, I know I I was going to try to get some basketball stuff, but a game like that, the Boneheads need to have their voices heard as well. So we'll be going live on Wednesday. Reach out if you're not following the secret account uh, so you can get the Zoom link and participate. But that's all we have. Start your week off right. Tell As Pat McAfee, the most popular man in sports media right now, he says this all the time, be a friend, tell a friend something nice. You might change their life. What Chauncey would say is woof, woof, bark, bark. But what I'm going to say is for Chauncey, for the Boneheads, for all of K-State Nation, my name is Scott McFarland. We love you guys. And go Cats. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there.
Social Podcast Network.